0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Gomology, a podcast about clothes and stuff. My guest today is called Sophie. And Sophie, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what it is you do?
1: Yes, of course. Hello, Nick. Uh, thanks for having me along. And my name's Sophie Bainbridge. I am the owner and founder of Stanley Biggs Clothiers. And I also have a, a, a joint venture with, with my husband, Gary uh, in the UK called Old Time Design Company. So we we both are self-employed, and yeah, so we're, we're very much very very lucky to to have achieved that so soon in uh, in our venture. And yeah, I'd very much like to to just go through and have a bit of a chat with you about that and and what what we've been up to the last few years.
0: Now you mentioned Stanley Biggs Clothiers what is it you actually do
1: so Stanley Biggs Clothiers is a by and large a a gentleman's brand and we have a a growing range of knitwear scarves caps other apparel soon to uh, fingers crossed it to have trousers as well and it takes its inspiration Quite unashamedly, from from the past, so from from the bygone era, mostly the the early 20th century, and we are working on creating these these inspired pieces for the the modern gentleman, but also lady as well. So of course, you know, knitwear, scarves, caps can be worn by anyone and and everyone, and and enjoyed. And it is mostly British made, uh, so sort of made mostly made in in, in the UK. Uh, using British manufacturing, British supplies, fabrics, as well as also the, the designs taking a lot of inspiration from the British past as well.
0: So clearly we're not talking about fast fashion and also not cutting-edge fashion. How on earth did you settle upon sort of 1930s fashion?
1: Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. We're, we're, we're definitely not uh, fast fashion. Uh, at all and um, you know the idea is that we we've we've really taken our time with selecting the pieces that 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 you are able to see on online and you know we fully intend to have those for, for many many years and um, you know the the idea is that each item is versatile enough to be reinvented as as is of course most Fashion now, particularly fast fashion, as well. There's nothing greatly new uh, on, on, the, on the shelves. It's if it's not been regurgitated from the 1970s or the 80s or or earlier. For myself, the 1930s is the sort of the epitome of the. I said not, not necessarily fashion, because uh, of course there are some corkers that, that came out in the 1930s which. Thankfully, didn't uh, get re reinvented, but um, the actual the actual fit, the feel of the garment, the quality of it, is is something that 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 I wanted to capture. Um, so it's the spirit of 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 that particular era, um, and of course, you know, it's not just the nineteen thirties. Nineteen twenties was was probably the the height of this new new era, this new fashion. Uh, for a new generation and um, you know it really sort of reached its height and its peak in, in the 30s it's my opinion anyway um, so the the actual focus of the particular garments themselves being a specific pattern you know from a, a 1930s uh, jumper or style of cap for instance is not necessarily a deliberate you know, Thing where I've I've looked at only that, um, you know, it, but it just happens to be a happy coincidence that my taste uh, and the the actual style appeals to 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 me and and the brand um, and and it's part of that that you know that that will continue to to inspire new new additions to to the range as well.
0: So is it just the clothes of that era that you find uh, attractive or is there are there other aspects of the lifestyle or the technology or the world that in the 1920s 30s
1: yeah i think the as you know as i've said just now it's it's the the fact that there was a lot more time and consideration taken particularly in in fashion um you know that items were made it took longer to make which i think we've all had a bit of a taste of that this year you know things do take time and uh, particularly with with the british industry uh, fashion you know so the, the manufacturing industry and working with with various suppliers many of them are either a family run business still so they have their traditions which normally uh, are, are rooted in the early 1920s so uh, for instance the footwear um, the, the, the boots that, that we have made they they've they actually that Lenons uh, started in the, the early 1900s but they really sort of picked up in in, in the 1920s so a lot of the, the patterns that they still use now were established around that, that time and they are made the same in uh, you know in the same tradition so they've they've effectively they've adopted the 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 same method the same spirit from 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 that earlier era and and i think to be honest with you 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 can really tell in when you when you have a, a new item whether it be a boot or a jumper or or scarf you can actually see the difference of how things are are made and the t- the time and care that has been put into having a, a an item made in a traditional way or more traditional way, so yes, I, th- I you know I suppose it's the the actual uh, around the industry you know the the, the spirit of it and the, and the methods the methodology uh, is probably a greater inspiration um, you know for, for us to try and capture and and continue on that that tradition in 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 the brand, but the actual spirit of the the overall era you know there was it, it was the era of pioneers really and um, you know from the 1900s or well, the 1890s really up until the 1930s you imagine the 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 jump in technology the you know the jump in exploration that happened uh, there was so much going on and uh, there were so many pioneers and uh, you know and they're still influencing people like me and inspiring my customers, and uh, you know, and and other other things are being pushed in uh, in honor of of, of their exploits. And um, so you know, look at uh, you know the motor car, the automobile, the the, air, the airplane. It was all uh, around this time that they really came into into their own, and um, they were vastly um, developed very very quickly in a short space of time and we're seeing that now you know we're seeing that that development still um, and how that's still being ad- advanced and and adapted so yeah so it's it's a very inspiring period i think a lot of people find uh find they actually find a link to that uh with with, with the brand and they they like to uh, sort of adopt that for, for themselves and you know rather than go on an Antarctic uh, exploration themselves, they can sort of harness that that spirit with with the garments that that they they purchase from us.
0: Indeed, I can confirm that uh, William Lennon uh, boots in Stony Middleton are uniquely authentic in what they do. Um, I mean, it's still pretty much the same machines they had when they started in. I think it was 1899 that are still in use today and the processes are the same. So it is quite the time capsule
1: uh,
0: to go there and um, and have a look at what they're up to.
1: It is. Yes, definitely.
0: Regarding times when things changed, I have this thing about, um, I often ask people, when was the best time to be alive? But uh, for me, the sort of 1930s, of which you talk about was sort of the early 80s when the huge advances in home computing and stuff were happening and music. And <laughs> that's a sort of uh, a very romantic period for me, even though I was about 14 years old at the time. Um, so who was Stanley Biggs? Was it a real person or is it a, a sort of figurehead that has been imagined up?
1: So, no, he was a indeed a, a, a man. He was born in 1919 um, so he, very much like yourself, Nick, where, where the, the 1980s inspired you as, as a young, young man and, and teenager, he'd have grown up in the, in the 1930s. And um, he was largely, you know, sort of by and large, a um, uh, Londoner. Um, nothing overly, overly special about him. Um, you know, he, he was just a working class chap. And he then joined, uh, as, as many, many men did, joined up uh, the outbreak of the Second World War. Uh, he was in the Royal Army Medical Corps and then he was assigned to the, the new division, the Airborne Division. So he became an air landing, uh, so glider, a glider-borne um, medic, effectively. And he was involved in the... Arnhem, uh, the Operation Market Garden. So the uh, the, the ten thousand or so troops that were that dropped into into Holland to liberate the Arnhem Bridge, the fight, the last bridge, the bridge too far. And unfortunately, he was um, again like like many of them were. He he, he was um, injured and uh, he, unfortunately he died of, of his wounds. And he's buried in the cemetery at Oosterbeek. So, uh, and that has been sort of a place of pilgrimage for for myself and and my husband, Gary, for for many, many years. So I've been attending probably that's 11 years now, minus this year, unfortunately. But um, my husband has been a a, a lover, an avid, uh, I say historian, so yes, he's been studying that battle and that period and and the british units involved for for many many years so that's actually it's partly how we we got together and uh, yeah so so we as i said we have been attending every year so we we, we go over in september and uh, as part of part of the visit i will go to the cemetery uh, as i said a it's week and we will visit the the grave of Stanley Biggs along with a few others as well. So so when I first went, we, um, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really have a, a good or well, big understanding of, of the battle. You know, I, I hate to admit it, but, you know, I'd seen the film and that was about it. <laughs> so when I went, it was a little overwhelming because there was so much that happened in a very short space of time, in a very, very confined area. It was a tiny area, really, for for that many troops. And, of course, there's a lot of civilians involved in the battle um, and uh, well, it, you know, sort of caught up in it. And to make sense of it while, while we were over there, I thought, well, I'll, I'll look at my namesakes, so my family names, and I'll visit those graves. And it's just my way of paying my respects to all of the all of the men buried there and uh, I'm not I'm quite lucky because my one of my family names is Bennett so it's it's like Smith um here in the UK there's thousands and thousands and thousands of Bennett's so I'm normally quite lucky where I have one at least one grave to 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 visit Uh, and Biggs was my great-grandmother um so she her maiden name and so I looked for, for Biggs, Bennett, uh, Penny, so it's my maiden name, and then also Plant. And unbelievably, all four uh, turned up a, a grave. So I visited them and um, paid my respects. And I then thought, well, actually, I'll, I'll try and research the units that these men were in just to try again, make head or tail of the of the overall battle and try and just make make more sense of it so for my next visit i had a bit more of an insight so i started to research the various names and stanley biggs had been thoroughly researched by a fantastic historian called Niall cherry and he had has uh, written several books and he does uh, sort of tours when you're over there so you can actually go and have a, a effectively walk about on the ground that, that know that the the battle happened and these particular anecdotes and stories occurred and I had the unique opportunity to ask him I said look you know researching Stanley Biggs and I I know he's mentioned in your book would it be do you have any extra insight and this man is just a textbook with legs so he knew exactly who I was referring to and he uh, said oh I've got photographs of him and do you know he's, he's captured in some film footage? Uh, I've got his, uh, it's, it's called a Chit, and it's the the paperwork that was linked to the glider. So I actually know which number glider and the other passengers that Stanley Biggs went over and landed um, on, on the, the 18th of September, 1944. So there's so much about... Stanley Biggs, and it sort of really, it sort of really energised my my interest in 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 the battle, and and uh, and then for, for you know for the continuing years, I sort of built on that and researched it a little more, and uh, and of course every year visited his his grave. So when it came to creating the brand it's I just couldn't get past I mean I looked at other options and considered other options but I, I just kept going back to to Stanley Biggs um, because of course it'd been such a um, such an interest to me for so long and represented the you know the, the efforts that obviously he and thousands went to to, to liberate the the, the, the dutch of which i'm you know very 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 uh many friends over there and uh, and so many happy memories uh, of, of visiting so it just um it just made sense to me and and of course stanley and, and big in itself it sounds very very british it's sort of epitomizes everything really uh and it doesn't necessarily sound like any other brand either it's it's quite unique and different and of course we were founded in Know, sort of we weren't founded in in the 1900s um, so it means that we do actually have a direct link and a tie and and our very own piece of history uh just from day one you know even even though we were founded in 2019 and uh, and it serves as a bit of a continuing memorial really for for him and and those men so yeah so sorry i went on a bit there but uh, hopefully that's uh <laughs> A lot more insight than just saying, "Oh, well, it sounded all right."
0: <laughs> because sort of to continue the the wartime theme, the village where you are based has another obvious wartime connection, doesn't it?
1: It does. Yes. Yeah. So, so I, I am a, I would say I'm I'm a history boffin. I've I've always been uh, in into uh, in, well into a lot of a lot of sort um, twentieth century history, but earlier as well. Uh, I studied I read read history at university um, but one of my real loves and uh, and key interests is the, the Royal Air Force so my grandfather was in it and uh, so I sort of grew up with with knowing these these air force he- heroes and the, the you know the famous dambusters and the and those various uh, his you know pieces of history and um, so when, when I moved, to because I'm not originally from, from Nottinghamshire, um, but when, when we relocated to, bought our house uh, near a place called Ripley, a uh, little town, the, it, well, it was a, a, to my great delight, I was actually walking into town one day and I walked past this house and I don't know if you, if you have it over in, in your area, Nick, but we have these things called blue plaques everyone will be familiar, uh, you know, so we'll say, oh, so-and-so lived here, or so-and-so, it's normally they sort of, so-and-so passed here f- on holiday, and there's a tenuous link, but we're going to put a blue plaque on, on this building, or this street corner, and um, I, I noticed it was, it was a red plaque, uh, which I believe signifies, it's an unofficial plaque, so it's been funded privately. And uh, it was the home of um, the uh, the childhood home and birthplace of Barnes Wallis, who was indeed the the famous inventor. Um, so he was aircraft designer first, but he's most mostly known for inventing the bouncing bomb, which of course the the dam six one seven squadron um, say dropped, but uh, skimmed across the, the the waters over various dams in in the Ruhr Valley. So. Um, so yes, yeah, so there's a, a big sort of uh, link there uh, and of course we're not a million miles away from the the, the Derwent uh, the, the the river Derwent um, which is fed from lady bower um so the, the the famous dam that uh, was used in practice raids by the the dambusters uh, so uh, so yes, yeah, so we're, we're surrounded by by Air Force history around here, which is fantastic, and this said there's, there's you know, there's old uh, POW camps here. So, you know, the film, the one that got away, you heard of that? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so he's uh, the, the one that got away. He was the the one and only German escapee, and uh, that's literally, well, I I I, I walk there regularly, uh, so it's about three miles away from me, and uh, there used to be a railway station um, nearby to to where I live and it was that very railway station that he escaped jumped onto the onto the train uh, this is sort of in the middle of the night uh, and he managed to get to a an, a nearby airfield uh, called RF Hucknell, uh, which was quite an important it was a where the the group headquarters was was based so it's quite a significant uh, airfield. And uh, he got so far, he jumped into a, an aircraft. He was just about to start it up and fly back to Germany um, before he was then captured. Uh, he was sent over to Canada. Uh, and I think with, with the attitude of trying to escape from there, uh, of which mm-hmm. he did, <laughs> and returned to Germany. Um, so, so, yeah, so he was uh, literally... Uh, as i said stones throw from from where we are so there's a, so much history around here which is uh, you know fantastic for me i lap it up uh, and of course it it, it actually acts as a lot of inspiration for for the brand and so for instance we have one of our collared jumpers which is based interestingly on a, a belgium design from 1936 and that's named after barnes wallace and uh, many of our caps. Uh, have adopted the names of the the famous houses and, and halls and castles around around Derbyshire so we try and sort of encompass that and capture that in in the overall um aesthetics of of, of the brand and uh, and of course each each item then has its own little bit of history that it carries on and um hopefully educates you know so it gives gives extra insight in into into that part of history for, for our customers and, and and followers as well
0: it does give men of a certain age an excellent opportunity to uh, bore listeners um, with um, excruciating detail about whatever anyone is unlucky enough to ask them about
1: <laughs> definitely it's uh, i mean I, i'm i'm terrible for it i, I love So be able to say oh did did you know (laughs) and then coming out with a little anecdote or or story but um but yeah you know i i I love it and um uh and and it's it's you know i i i'm part of that that process you know so i i you know not not only create the, the designs and decide on the the particular fabrics and the source of those fabrics but the you know the actual the naming of the product is i think just as important as getting the fabric right, and, um, you know, it creates an identity that, you know, there's many, there's, there's so many uh, inspiring stories, it's, you know, you think you can go on forever, so it's fantastic, you know, just to be able to say, right, okay, what's, what is this cap going to represent, uh, What's, what's uh, what, what are we going to try and impart, uh, as well as enabling people to have a nice cap to wear? um and um you know and they they very often they buy into that story and that's it's been one of those nice bits of feedback actually where you know i have customers or even actually people that aren't necessarily a a customer who, who's made a sale you know so sort of made a purchase i consider anyone who contacts as a, a customer and they'll just email and say i really love the fact that you've spoken about shackleton or falcon Scott or Chatsworth house or haddon hall or places like that and um there's a lot of people that will say i never knew that that's really interesting and i'm from there and i never knew that and uh, and it's it's one of those things where it's always something to talk about them and it doesn't necessarily have to end or result in in a sale um that's my belief anyway it's ironic isn't it i used to be in sales and the last thing i did was try to sell things and uh you know i just love being able to to impart that information and, and share that so to be able to create something that then uh you know so people from the other side of the globe get in touch with you and say this is fantastic i re-, you know really love this story it's it's amazing you know you think i would never have spoken to that person if it hadn't been for for the name or, or and the, you know the story behind the name of that brand so uh yes it's a um, a nice touch i think which which i'm you know so sort of glad that that we have. And it's quite unique, I think, to to the brand.
0: Now, there's one thing I wanted to ask you now, because we can say you have a certain obsession with the 20s and 30s and that period.
1: Well, why would you think that?
0: <laughs> Does that uh, influence other aspects of your life? Are you one of these people who sort of live like a 1920s um, housewife type thing? Or... Do you embrace the technology of the time and shoe the modern times? Obviously not, since we're now talking over a, a computer link. <laughs> but uh, are, there, are there other aspects than, a, than an interest in people and clothing of the time?
1: There is, yes, definitely. I mean, so my, my I alluded that, you know, a bit of a, a history history buff uh, anyway. So this sort of started actively um, when I was – well, my grandfather was was one of my biggest influences. So he, he was born in, in the 20s and um so he was 18 in 1944 you know so he he grew up as a very much as you said nick you know a 14 year old uh in in the as yourself in the 80s he he grew up in the the early 40s as as a teenager and his stories were for me just it was a he was a brilliant storyteller i think that was the the other element there but um the, the overall interest for, for myself, particularly the history side, it really kicked off when, when I was sort of in my 15, 16, uh, and I discovered this weird, wonderful world called living history where you can collect original items and um, not just that. You, you can then go to an event and portray, um, having researched, the the era and the portrayal that, that you're that you're uh, adopting, and uh, you can impart that in in an educational way to 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 the public. So in some respects, I've I've always been trying to share my love for my interest of history from from a very very early age, and, uh, and that's most definitely a direct influence from from my grandfather. And um, so I mean I'm I'm sat in uh, what we call our kit room. So it's the largest, this, this is a, a priorities name, the largest room in our house uh, is dedicated to our, our other love, which is uh, our collection. Uh, so I'm surrounded at the moment. I'm looking at uh, four coats rails of battle dress uniforms from, uh, from the Second World War, First World War, post-war men's and women's. Um, and uh, and uh, as I've mentioned as, as well before you know it's not just the air Force that, that I love um so my husband and I are very keen on the the Arnhem aspects of the, you know the British Army. Um, so uh, yeah so, so we are surrounded <laughs> by by old things um my... it,
0: it's a good thing you're in agreement about this because I can't imagine I'd have got away with no, that <laughs>
1: well fortunately yeah so I, we, I actually met Gary that this way so um uh, so a lot of people, uh, that, that I know you know sort of their, their, their wives sort of sort of get involved you know after they've met, met their their partner um, but no I'm just as bad as my husband um, so we actually have arguments about who's going to have the next coat rag <laughs> full of kits or um, e- eBay is full of our you know watch list of items that we're trying to secretly bid and then when it arrives in the post we sort of shuffle it away and hide it away and then not not from, you know, sort of being annoyed with, with with one another for for buying another bit of old tat, but um it's uh you know just trying to think, oh gosh, you know, is he going to notice it? it's the the third one that's the same on the <laughs> on the coat rack. But it's but of course, Nick, it's not the same. They all have very different things. You know, they're all slightly different patterns and so yes, we're a bit of it's around Iraq's, I suppose, and that's um, that actually is where uh, old time design. So the other business that we have that's very firmly uh, sort of centred around the reenacting and the living history side. So we reproduce items. So it's a, a very different thing to to Stanley Biggs, but similar. So Stanley Biggs was actually born from from that business, um, where uh, you know got to that stage where it's great to have the very accurate items, you know, where you go, oh, this is truly a reproduction. It's made in exactly the same way and and what have you. But um, there are certain things where you think, well, actually, it's, it's far nicer to create something new as well, um, particularly if you, know, if you are in wanting to go into fashion um, of some form or slow fashion. It's nice to actually say to people, this is a unique piece, it's inspired from and it has a link and it's adopted the history and the techniques. And, and, you know, if it's named, it's, it's got its own identity. Um, but it's, it enables us to have that freedom where we can say, well, actually, with this roll neck, for instance, obviously the, the one that you have Nick, the, the Roneck roll neck, um, you know, that's inspired from sort of the Harley Davidson motorcycle teams. Um, and uh, you know, the the, the Bruff being a, a Nottingham motorbike, Bruff Superior. Um, Can
0: I just insert there that uh, the Bruff Superior was the motorbike that um, Sir William Lyons had, I believe, when he invented the Swallow sidecar, which later became Jaguar Motorcars? And Jaguar Motorcars is a sort of special interest in mine because my granddad used to work there from second world war up to the 70s uh-huh, right so that's sort of my other passion has been jaguars so there's a connection between the jumper there and the jags so there
1: we go <laughs> oh, I, I that's and that that will partly be why again as, as i said you know it, it might be the case that you know on, on first view you you, you probably looked at the the role and thought oh that's that's nice but then to actually say oh crikey it's called the bruff and oh my my family history and it's that engagement that i i love and you know i mean how how would we have got round to that conversation any other way you know it would have and i think that's that's what i love about having th- this identity on 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 each of the items um it is a bit of a headache i tell you because you know trying to find <laughs> something that uh, uh, that sort of ticks all the boxes is, is, is very tough, but um, but you know having that that knowledge um, and that foundation and the understanding of of history um, from so sort of, you know years and years and years of, of collecting um, that's that's given us a, you know an enormous insight into creating the identity, but also you know when um, again using the brough as, as an influence the colours that we use, you wouldn't necessarily look at those and go, oh, they're, they're definitely 1930s, they're, you know, those colours. Um, they are, um, and, you know, they're quite a, a, a natural colour um, for particularly Harley-Davidson. Um, so it's it's like a, a deep, well, it's black and uh, orange, isn't it, Harley? Um, but, um, you know, it's that sort of understanding of, of the era <clears throat> that has enabled us to... Take it, run run with it, and develop it, and, and create something that's inspired and different um, for for people to to add to their wardrobe, and um, and and enjoy for many many years. So uh, so yeah. So I am surrounded by by old things, Nick, um, and my taste in furniture is is uh, very much stuck in the <laughs> southern. I'd say probably more nineteen twenties. So sort of art, arts and crafts, um, but um, but no, you know I, I have I have a telly, and I grew up in I'm, I'm a '90s girl, so the '90s for me. Um, so I, you know, I grew up with loving Buffy the Vampire Slayer and being inspired by by her. Um, so I'm I'm definitely not a 1920s housewife, um, and um, but I love my I love my my jumpers and uh, the the era and the style and um we occasionally will go to events um or we'll go to <clears throat> certain um outings and uh, we'll adopt the the style from the 1920s or 30s and very often we we'll, you know we'll be wearing original items <clears throat> or of course Stanley big strumpets
0: that is a problem though with uh, with vintage of a certain age isn't it because it's either it doesn't exist because it hasn't survived we do throw away an awful lot of stuff but also weren't people a lot smaller before
1: yes they they were nick they were um typically um of a smaller build and you know the further back in history you go the 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 more the tinier that they get but um i mean i'm fortunate because i'm i'm vertically challenged as as people say and keep reminding me so i will add i'm actually one of the taller ones in my family but we are a family of hobbits um (laughs) You joke, but I think my my auntie is four foot eleven, um, and her granddaughter, so my my second cousin, is five foot one. What no, five foot and a half. Uh, so I'm I'm five foot three, so I'm tall uh, compared. But my husband is uh, six foot four, so we are literally the little and large. Um, and, uh, but Gary will have and, ha- and has a very large collection of original sized items. And I think it's a lot of people forget that you know, people came in all shapes and sizes um, and will continue to do so. And, you know, the shape uh, of people will continue to, to change um, and, it, and, and be varied. And, um, you know, Gary, probably Gary gets it a lot because, because of his height you know, they'll always say, oh, you're tall, aren't you? And, oh, is that an original um, battle dress, you know, RF battle dress or flying suit or whatever? And it is, you know, you will say, yes, it is. And um, and they'll be very, very surprised. My godfather, uh, who was also in the RF, um, so you're probably picking up a theme here, Nick, um, and uh, he, he was six foot four. Um, so uh, he, was, he was a Scottish dentist, a wonderful man. Brilliant man. And uh, very, very, very funny. And uh, he he was, uh, yeah, as I said, he was he was very tall and uh, he was a pilot, a Lancaster pilot. So I think now what has happened is that all those individuals that were of a, an average or above average build, they just wore their clothes to death. As you said, you know, we, we don't really tend to do that now. Um, and so those items in those more human sizes aren't necessarily available now, and uh, and I, I certainly see that in 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 the demand for, for for my customers. You know they tend to if they're if they really you know sort of diehard, uh, you know they you know they live they live the period. Uh, they'll very often say to me, oh it's you know it's nice to have a a jumper option in a human size rather than you know just a thirty six chest. Um, which of course you know that there's a reason why there's so many small items available you know that I think they were they were less called for Um, so which is why there's so many smaller sizes available still Um, but uh, but yeah so you know that's it's about making that style accessible to to everyone uh, which is you know another aspect of of the brand and in particular I want to push that in uh, sort of next year really um, you know it is for for everyone it, you don't have to be you don't have to be a gentleman you can be a lady and enjoy uh, the, the, the brand just as much and um, and it's so practical you know it, it's designed to be used and dare I say it abused um, so and we put you know we, we put the garments to the test uh, ourselves so this year I climbed up Ben Nevis with, with my husband which wasn't actually planned <laughs>
0: So, okay, we just done an outing in.
1: Yes, yeah. So we we we've been to Scotland before. We we went for our honeymoon actually uh, a few years ago, and absolutely loved it. Uh, and we said right, we we want to go back this year. Unfortunately, despite everything that's happened, we, we managed to get up there, and um, we we did a slightly different style uh, to 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 the previous holiday where we. We borrowed our, uh, the, the, the in-laws uh, VW, this transporter thing, and just slept in the back of that. And uh, it's such a, 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 a free and liberating place to go uh, where there's, there's allocated sites. So there's places that you are allowed to just pitch up and, and stay the night. And you can be in the middle of absolutely nowhere. I mean, we, we went all over all over scotland and on our journey we we were driving past ben ben nevis uh, which is near fort william and uh typical me i'm, I'm t- I, I do boss my husband around which people who know me will go here um and i uh, said to gary i was like do you want to um go for a walk tomorrow because we, we were staying around the area he's like yeah okay that's fine you Know better, better than, than not having a, a day off driving. Where, where are you thinking? I said, Well, what about that? <laughs> That's just pointed at this mountain. He's like, Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> so, so we went to uh, I think Morrison's, the, the local supermarket, bought a few energy bars and some water, and and uh, we yeah, we, we set off, and um, uh, I i wore the the lovely gansey i've um uh, we launched this year actually it's the byron it's this beautiful burgundy color um and i thought well i'll I'll wear that and um the chatsworth cap and that i tell you that was the cap was very very handy against the bitter wind because it's hitting the side of this mountain as you're going up um so um but that that was fantastic you know i I absolutely loved that the only issue I had was I, I wear glasses, uh, and I, we got to the we got to the point where we hit the snow, um, and it obviously we, we were nowhere near the, the the top. So we thought, well, it's we know it's going to get worse <laughs> the the more we go, and uh, and it was blowing a, a blizzard and all sorts, and this and there was just mist in the air as well, and it just stuck to my glasses. So every sort of 10 paces, I had to take my glasses off, wipe them, walk 10 paces, take them off, wipe them. Um, and uh, and in the end, I thought, I have to take my glasses off because I, I just can't see a thing. So I was walking around the top of this mountain, the highest point in, the, in Great Britain, uh, completely blind. <laughs> I couldn't see a oh. thing. <laughs> but I was warm uh, and uh, the cap was a, a godsend. It really was. Um, so, uh, so yeah, you know. So, so again, you know, the I, I put my money where where my mouth is really, and you know, we we really do put the the garments to their paces, and I know a lot of uh, my customers do the same. Um, so, and that's always fantastic, you know, to hear of their exploits and and their adventures as well. I think
0: what you want to know right now? What is? I mean, were you fully kitted in vintage mountaineering garments when you? Okay, but
1: um, so I'll, st- I'll be brutally honest. My, my style does lean towards the older um, period, um, so I don't have uh, what is it? Is it Gore-Tex? I don't even know what the term is. I don't have anything like that. Um, so I had a I had a jumper and I had a a, a smock uh, mm-hmm. uh, that um, <clears throat> to be honest with you, it's, it was quite uh, you know to, to a certain to a certain height it's too hot for for anything but a, but a base layer um so um but yes you know i, I don't wear uh, any sort of man-made fibers um we did have normal boots as so a modern i had uh, vibrance which they're, they're a um i think are they switzerland i think they're a 1930s brand um uh, mountaineering brand um, and they make the souls now for, uh, I know that they make them for the current British army. Um, but um, yeah, you, you, you know, you, you see that they've been influenced by years and years and years of, you know, all the, the various pioneers that they, they were, I think they, they actually um, sponsored a lot of the, the early um, uh, hikes and mountain uh, explorations, particularly I think the Munros. So it, again, in Scotland. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, if, if I recall, what was I wearing? I, I was wearing a pair of corduroy trousers. Can you imagine me walking up this hill or this mountain, not being able to see? <laughs> I had a Scotch egg as well. So I was carrying a Scotch egg. I had a um, We've got a, a 1930s rucksack. Um, and it's like this awful. Uh, well, I say awful. I love it. It's a fantastic colour. It's like this lime green canvas. Um, and uh, so I was carrying that with with various layers and our supplies in. Um, these cord corduroy trousers, my my jumper and uh, a a neckerchief, and uh, and then the Chatsworth. And that's how I went up the the mountain. <laughs>
0: so. Yeah, well, you know, George Mallory did try to conquer Everest. Was it sometime in the nineteen thirties in his tweed suit?
1: Yes. Well, tweed is is uh, an amazing, uh, and and it will continue to to be um, a vital uh, aspect of, of anyone's wardrobe, particularly if you're if you're active. I think. I think. Um, I mean, now it's obviously sort of falling into the realms of. Um, being a bit more fashionable um and you know we have brands like ralph Lauren and Jules and various others that that, that have you know sort of designed these tweed jackets I mean, tweed jackets are very very popular for women now uh much mm-hmm. to my my delight uh because i do i think probably the best way to describe my style is probably librarian <laughs> <laughs> 19 uh, 1980s, 1990s librarian. <laughs> so lots of tweed.
0: The village librarian or sort of a high class city librarian?
1: Pro- probably. I, I, I don't. Do, do you have these libraries that drive around in, in trucks and they stop in the uh, village? But not a of they those.
0: By <laughs> boat in Norway. Oh, they
1: do it by boat. Fantastic. Library boats. Yeah, that's a good
0: idea. In, especially in northern Norway where sparse population. Um, so they'd go, yeah, in their boat. I think it might sort of be the end of it now, though. I did see one was closing down recently, which was sad.
1: Yeah. Well, I think I I'm, I'm, I would be a slightly higher class than um, a, a van, maybe a boat. If I was in Norway, I'd probably be a boat librarian. Um, hmm. <laughs> but um, any opportunity to wear jumpers. I do have a, a, a problem. My husband has called it many a time on i have a scarf coat and jumper problem i have a ridiculous amount of them and i, I don't have room for them all <laughs> so,
0: uh, yeah, well, um, i can relate to that it's only a problem if you choose to see it, it yes yeah, so I, I i
1: have a we, we have a, a little spare bedroom and the, the bed is full of my coats of which there's no room for them, but... The um, so
0: alternative way to look at it is that it's a, a wonderful collection.
1: It's it, absolutely, and, uh, you know, I can sort of... I think I probably boast... Oh, yes, it's a lot. I've got a lot of coats, which is terrible, and I keep buying... I bought a... a actually, talking about tweed, bought a tweed jacket um, the other day, and um, it turned up, and Gary was, oh, what have you bought now? I said, oh, it's it's... Uh, I thought, oh God, how, how do I get? How do I get out of this? They said, "It's not another jacket, is it?" I was like, um, "No, no, it's a blazer." Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like right, Okay, yes, it's an outer garment. Is it? Was, yes, yes, it is. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I've been uh, been wearing that, making the most of it, rubbing, rubbing, uh, rubbing it in. <laughs> Uh, with a husband that
0: tend um, leads I mean, to a question which I was going to save towards the end but it's an opportune moment now with a house full of sort of vintage garments and properly vintage garments at that does your house sort of have a very vintagey smell to it or have you grown immune to it
1: um i suppose it's i uh... You, you can yeah you can smell i mean at the moment it smells of christmas tree which is very nice but um uh yeah you know the it I say it's musty it smells of books which again, <laughs> again but the, i mean the house is uh yeah the, the house is it, the house was built in 1928 um and, and it's such a it's a really odd design uh, so it's built by by the chap who, who lived in it for for many many years, and then it was bought by the Catholic Church uh, of all, of all things. Um, and um, yes, the, uh, the the house is. I mean, I've, I've, I'm sort of playing on back to the I'm, me saying I'm not a, a housewife, um, and my husband would probably agree. <laughs> um, we, um, yeah, I mean, because we, you know we, we both work from home as as well. I think I'm probably quite immune to it um we do of course we have house rabbits as well not that I'm you know why that comes up when I'm talking about the smell of my home but um <laughs> everything uh is uh they everything's very fluffy in in the kitchen because they live in the in the kitchen we have a sort of a big open plan uh well I say bit open plan it's it's quite a large uh kitchen area and um they they have well, they have their little home underneath the, the dining table. Uh, so they, they sort of sit there and we call them jelly mould. So, you know how they sit and they just put their ears down and fall asleep. Uh, and they, they nap about, I think it's like 20 times a day, rabbits nap. Um, so they sleep for about four hours each day. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so we have three of those. But yeah, so combined with old uniforms, uh, old furniture, it says beeswax, I'd say. Beeswax and books. The house smells of.
0: Which is a beeswax nice smell. would be, be a nice it's, smell. It's
1: lovely.
0: It's I, I often find that, um, I mean, sort of vintage stuff that hasn't been used for ages, especially military stuff. I once went to this uh, army surplus place in uh, in Holland, outside Zutphen, and I mean, the smell in this, it's like everything's rotting. <laughs> Um, so I was, I was really going to ask you whether you have any. What is your best trick for ridding clothes of their insanely crappy smell?
1: Oh well, I I mean, so it's, I mean this is this is it really because a lot of the the items don't
0: say get rabbits
1: or <laughs> <laughs> we'll disguise it with uh, the um, some awful odor killer thing um i mean a lot of the time i mean the majority of the clothing is is wool um and wool does actually have very natural it's a very natural fiber um and um in in regards to the the odor you can tend to air things naturally um but um but it's a case of you know, sort of laundering them or you know, sort of dry cleaning them safely. Um, and um, but I, I don't think I've I, whether I'm immune to it. You've got me thinking that you've got me paranoid now, Nick.
0: Yeah, it could be you sort of reeking. The whole village it knows must, who's Sophie. It
1: must. Yeah, they sort of you know they don't need they don't need my address. They just follow the smell.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But it's okay because we're not allowed visitors at the minute, so it's fine.
0: <laughs> so you're safe for a while.
1: Everyone's safe. But um, I don't think it smells. I, do you know, uh, the start of this uh, podcast, I didn't think we'd be talking about the smell of my home.
0: <laughs> there you go. We go where others fear to, to tread. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so I, I think the, um, actually talking about smells and things, uh, and going back to books and my sort of librarian sort of style, uh persona i bought a candle you're going to laugh at this it's it's made it's made in the uk so lovely company on etsy i found it's a soy, soy wax or soy candle and it's old bookshop smell <laughs> so if it doesn't already smell musty and of old books it will do later on when this candle Because
0: yeah, i think that's probably not the most pleasant of smells i mean i love the smell of new books but sort of ones that are decomposing might not be where we want to go
1: (laughs) well i I was relieved when i saw it it sort of elements of the it was things like uh cinnamon and bits and pieces like that have been added to to this is it flavor i don't know i don't know what you the 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 essence of the of the candle so i shall have to let you know but um but yeah (laughs)
0: To take a swerve back to um, to what we were originally talking about um, with the sort of 1920s, 30s uh, clothes styles, and you've been talking about living history and uh, reenactment, it strikes me that this also sort of really touches pretty closely to cosplaying as well.
1: It does, yes, which is uh, it. it – I'll be honest with you, Nick, it's, it's cosplay for me. I, I've never – other than – reenacting and li- living history um, which i would say is probably a different form of um of cosplay um, i'm not overly familiar with it but um with the brand actually uh i've i've become more and more aware of it and um uh, quite uh roundabout but it's, it's it's a nice story anyway so i'll tell you um, the good omens fandom did you yeah. did you see that with um david tennant and michael sheen you No, know, i
0: really i really loved the book i tried to watch the tv series uh i sort of didn't get into it in the first minutes and then i sort of forgot all about it oh
1: ah, right okay well i was it good it's well so for, for myself i um i saw the program first and then um i thought you know i'm going to read i'm going to read the book um and uh, that, that was the start of this year I found, um, and I had to put the book down because it was so similar, it literally almost word for word, to the programme. I It was too soon for me. Um, you know. So the element of what was going to happen and therefore the enjoyment of reading the story was sort of a bit lost because I, I knew exactly what was going to, to be said, not just what, what actually happened. Um, so in, in that regard... Uh, it's it's very very close to to the book and of course the screenplay was written by uh, Neil Gaiman uh, who is a writer along with Terry Pratchett but there's a big fandom there um where um Aziraphale and Crowley um so the the angel and and, and the fallen angel um uh, th- there's a big cosplay around that and um i uh it's, well for, for stanley biggs we, we, we're on we're on twitter <clears throat> along with you know other instagram and facebook and all of that um and it was actually following there was a lot of floods back in uh, around this time actually last year we, we were very badly flooded um last year um so the workshop um and the office and and our home uh, was flooded um and unfortunately the the, the weather didn't improve uh, for other parts of the UK and, and Wales was incredibly badly hit. Half of it was underwater, I think, um, in sort of the, the January, February period. And um, knowing how destructive and destructive it can be, even if you get flooded just very, very slightly, uh, it's, it's awful. It's, it's, and it's so um, unforgiving. Um, and, um, off the back of that, the, 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 I, I really sort of, um, I felt for the people in, in, in Wales. So I jumped off, uh, or jumped onto to Twitter and I saw that there was a fundraiser going on. So, uh, I think one day we said, right, everything that we sell profit or, or otherwise, it, it goes into the, as a donation. Um, and, uh, and then I think for about a month, we... You know, every every item that was sold, £5, pounds went to went into the pot. Um, and it was to help businesses badly hit in, in Wales. And unbeknownst to myself, it was um, Michael Sheen who set up this fun, uh, fundraiser, because, of course, he, he is a, a Welshman. And um, we managed to do a, a, a fundraiser where we auctioned off a jumper um, for for Michael's fans to buy him, um, so we raised money that way. Um, but off the back of that, we've sort of adopted by Michael's fans, and uh, and then off the back of that, you know, the Good Omens crowd. So we've sort of been sort of looped into into cosplay in, in in that weird roundabout way, and it's it's an amazing. Uh, uh, i say little mini microcosm of a of a society um and you know they're so they're so impassioned by, about uh, you know what, what they do and how to achieve it and uh, there's a lot of dedication that goes on and um, probably just as much as we are anoraks about you know getting you know that particular uniform from 1942 or whatever it might be right there's a lot of
0: people yeah, are going to. I've only I've only sort of observed it from a distance, really. But I had uh, Holly Swinyard on the podcast a few episodes ago. She's the editor of the Cosplay Journal mm. and a keen cosplayer, and uh, it's, I think it's quite wonderful. Very creative, and uh, I mean, there's a there's a lot of overlap with dressing up, putting on clothes. Um, once you get away from the fact that really we could all dress up as North Koreans and we'd be sensibly dressed, but then the whole creativity sort of just springs out in different directions. Mm. And cosplay is definitely an interesting one because I mean, they make a lot of the stuff themselves.
1: It's it's fantastic, too. isn't it? And as you said, it's so creative, and um, and I you know I I, I can really. Uh, I mean, what, what I've noticed is that there's a lot of uh, uh, cross-dressing, actually, there's a lot of uh, women uh, dressing as a, um, well, uh, I don't think they were actually, um, it, obviously they were played by male actors, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as Aziraphale and, uh, and Crowley, but I think in, in the actual books they were asexual, weren't they? But, um, but again, you know, that's another identity that that people, I think, have sort of latched onto and... Um, and embraced um as part of that fandom um but yeah it's it's fantastic where you've you know you've got these people saying this is my identity this is how I want to um uh put myself across and 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 be uh, and to be that confident and comfortable about it and it's lovely when there's it's actually you know a community in itself and um, so, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I've, I've not necessarily I, I don't do it myself personally, but I, I don't think I'd be very good at it. But um, the I, I love it. I think it's fascinating. Uh, and um, just to be part of that and almost, you know, just be sort of embraced uh, as, as a brand has been uh, it's been wonderful, you know, because it's not something I would have ever again, you know, have known about or or even considered and, uh, you know, so I've, I've met quite a few and had a, a, a few wonderful opportunities off, off of it. So, you know, Mike, Michael Sheen, um, for, for a start, um, who is, you know, one of, well, I think one of the, the Britons, most definitely, uh, Britons, one of his, the best actors, you know, he's up there with, you know, Anthony Hopkins and um, so, you know, that, that was fantastic and that was a real boost at the start of the year for me anyway. Um, big morale booster Um, and um, and that you know that that will continue um, as well where people can still sort of say oh this is you know Stanley Biggs and they they uh, you know that they're fans of good omens and 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 stuff like that so um, and it's it's nice you know it's it's a nice positive thing Um, and it gives us something else to talk about as I said before um, it's not just about selling the scarf or the jumper, um, you know, it's about what that brand can do for you and and how you identify with it.
0: Yeah, I think if you were just into selling stuff, you'd be uh, you'd be more fashion orientated and uh, changing your inventory rapidly. And mm. uh, well, you'd be a fast fashion company, wouldn't you?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, you know, and uh, I, as as much as I, I love what what we do, I probably wouldn't be if I wanted to make money. I wouldn't be selling jumpers. <laughs>
0: now looking at your social media um this time last year or certainly in november last year you were posting from a, a rather exciting trip you went on perhaps you could sort of tell us a bit about that yes i see we're running over time now but take take your time yes
1: of course yeah so um as as i said before really you know we i, I put my money where where my mouth is you know when when i say these products are versatile you know they're practical they, they can be worn in in many many environments um it, it's often the the case that either i personally um or someone else has put them through their through their paces and last year um so early november we decide again very much me just chatting to gary So, oh do you want to go to do you want to go to, to Belgium or, um, well, you know, going to have a road trip in in Europe? Yeah, OK, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. Where, where do you want to go? And I said, well, let's go somewhere we've not been. And so I said, well, let's just aim to a destination. Shall we? What about Luxembourg? I've never been to Luxembourg. And uh, I said, yeah, OK, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go and we can stop off at you know, various places, um, places we've been to or, or haven't been to and uh and he said well, well when when do you want to go and i said well november when, when it's you know just before it gets very busy for for us and um and uh and he said right yeah okay fine no problem and we have a a, a land rover defender it's a 1990s one and he said, oh, it's not going to be that, that comfortable in in that and i said oh no no i don't mean that I said, we'll, we'll go in the the little car um and we have a uh, 1930s austin
0: now explain a little there because when you call that a little car uh, is sort of embellishing it a bit isn't it
1: <laughs> so uh, hopefully people have heard of brum um so there's a lovely uh uh program children's tv it was yeah. yes and um that, that was based on a, a little uh, what's called an Austin Chummy, so uh, the nickname Chummy comes from the fact that you have to get quite chummy with your, with the only other passenger. So the passenger and driver, pretty much have to share the same seat, um, and, um, uh, and and again, yeah, as I said, I'm five foot three. Gary is not, um, so sort of Gary has to fold himself into <laughs> into this car, uh, and. Uh, just to top it off, there's no roof or windscreen, so there's aero screens, which um, are really, you know, they're designed to deflect
0: a little of the wind. A little wind. of the,
1: the the worst. They're designed to deflect the worst of it. It doesn't obviously protect you completely. Um, and I was proposing to drive to Luxembourg <laughs> from Bruges, so it's about 600 and. So miles, six, just shy of seven hundred miles, um in in this in the Austin, and uh and so we uh, bless him. I, I think he I say he gets talked into these things. I think I don't think he really dare <laughs> say, say no. So uh, we decided to do this, and we got chatting to people, and they were like, "Bloody hell, what are you doing that for?" And I, I said, "Well, I see you're doing it for charity." I said, "No." Doing it for a holiday. I'm doing it for fun. And they're like, oh, really? Why? And I said, well, do you think I ought to do it for charity? And They said, well, I think I think you could probably raise quite a bit of money because it's absolutely you know balmy to do in November, Sophie. Yes. What's wrong with that? Anyway, so and I said, well, I've got I've got jumpers. We've I sell jumpers. It'd be fine. <laughs> So what what else are you going to wear? I said, well, I've I've got a scarf and goggles and caps and gloves and what have you. So, um, so we actually wore a combination of of Stanley Biggs and um, an original clothing. So I had an old rain mac, for instance. Uh, And it's actually at one point when we first set off, because the other thing we had to drive to the ferry. So we had uh, about a fifty mile journey uh, to get to the ferry. um, Even before we crossed the the water uh, and um, I put on so many layers I couldn't actually move I couldn't move my arms uh, which is a bit of a disadvantage when you're driving um, so so I actually had to strip down so I had to, I was a lot colder than uh than I was expecting to be um, but um uh, well I say cold I was wetter because I I, I had I had to forego one of the layers but um Yes, the, uh, the other, the other uh, issue was uh, that we couldn't share the driving because Gary physically can't get behind the wheel. Um, so I had to do all of the driving. Uh, and then just to make it even worse, um, I decided that we were going to drive to Luxembourg in a day.
0: <laughs> right.
1: From Bruges. Which in a modern car, everyone goes, oh yeah, it's not that bad. It's not too, you know, it's doable. Um, but the the little Austin is it's tiny. It is. It's very. It's it's about. It's the chassis is six foot long. Um, so yeah.
0: so it's not only small, uncomfortable, with zero weather protection, and I think it's also pretty slow, isn't it?
1: It's yeah, so. The, t- the, the fastest, really, that, that it will go comfortably, because, of course, you know, the idea is to get there as well, not to um, break the engine. Um, it, can, it can go around 50 miles an hour. I, th- I think we got 52. Um, yeah, I think we got 52 at, at some stage on a very, very straight road. It was actually the road um, that um, was used by. Oh, gosh. It was through Belgium. I'm trying to think who it was now. I want to say not not uh, Charlemagne. Mm-hmm.
0: Um
1: so beautiful road. Um again, I you know, I'd never been to we've we've been around sort of Ypres and um for, for the, the Western Front really. Um but uh, we've never I would never been any any further. So um so we went to places like um, we stayed in Siné uh on this is all on the way back um but we we went to um a place in so we didn't go to luxembourg the city we went to luxembourg the the country Um, and uh, we went to a place called esch saussure which is this beautiful beautiful town um surrounded by mountains which again proves an issue in a little car (laughs) Mm -mm. going up and down these things Mm. in the pitch black Uh, I think we drove through six hailstorms on the way. Um, And uh, again, as as I said, I I wear glasses. Um, And uh, I couldn't wear goggles over my glasses. So I had to just wear my glasses with a cap. And I found this ingenious way. You know, you see these photographs, uh, old photos, you think, gosh, no, they've really... They've got it sorted, you know, I, I'm thinking sort of like Russian refugees and you know, so from from the, sort of the, the 1900s, you know, where they, the women sort of wrapped themselves up in, you know, these long bits of cloth to keep themselves. Mm-hmm. I looked like that. Uh, <laughs> so wrapped up, you could just about see, you couldn't see my eyes, you could see my glasses. So it looked like the invisible man, you know, where I have to dress him up. Right. Um, so he actually looks, you know, he takes shape. I look like that. Um, and uh, we, but we, we did it. We got there. So we, I think we, we got off the ferry at nine, about nine in the morning. Um, and we got there at about seven in the end. And it was, um, we, we stopped very briefly. We didn't stop for um, for any drink or food. We literally just drove. Um, we had a few pauses just to ascertain where we were that was the other thing we didn't do we didn't um uh do any satnaving so it was all on map Map freezing <laughs> just to
0: be... I'm amazed both you the marriage and the car survived all this
1: <laughs> well unfortunately I am the I, I'm the the navigator of the pair of us but because I was driving um so we got to we didn't actually get very far before we got lost to be honest with you we got off the ferry now, bearing in mind we, we 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 go from Hull to Bruges quite regularly, so we're familiar with how to get into Bruges from from the ferry. And uh, my on this occasion, we, we said well, we we need to we need to avoid going through Bruges. We need to go around it, of course, because we're not stopping. Um, and of course, Bruges is not a city that's designed for vehicles, and uh, we wanted to avoid all the cobbled streets and and what have you, because we'd just rattled the car apart. So um, Gary sort of took us on this weird, wonderful play It was raining by this point. Um, so we, we were soaked within 10 minutes of getting off the ferry. And um, and I thought my sense of, I've got quite a good sense of direction. I thought we're not going the right way. <laughs> so, so I pulled up. I didn't even, uh, you know, sort of, because of course we can't really talk properly. We have to shout at each other. <laughs>
0: I imagine um, that came naturally. Yes.
1: And, and I pulled up and I said, where, where are you taking us, Gary? And, and he's like, I don't know. I'm lost. <laughs> I said, we've been driving around for 40 minutes. Um, so uh, anyway, and we were going in the wrong direction. Um, we'd have ended up going to the wrong country. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, so we, we, uh, we had to sort of stop every so often. Um, but on the way back... We we took our time, actually, uh, on the way back because, of you know, the the idea we had to, you know, we had this false sense that it was meant to be a holiday. Um, So we we did actually go and stop and and visit various places. And um, you'll not be surprised to hear most of the places we stopped at were linked to history of, of some form um and um so rockford was it's a beautiful place uh, if you've if you've never been that's that was quite something um we actually went into germany as well um which wasn't planned we um we got we got there and typical well you're probably getting a, an impression of me and i sort of say you've been to germany gary <laughs> and he's exhausted you know he's got this dirt all over his face his hair's a mess you know we're both absolutely knackered with uh, this is the next day. And and I say, um, have you been to Germany? It's like, uh, I have. Yes, I have been. Like I said, we're not going to Germany. And I said, well, I've never been to Germany. Um, and I'm the driver. So get in. <laughs> right. So we ended up uh, going to, to Germany and um, desperately trying to find a bar to have a drink. because so, you know, just to celebrate. So we didn't really have the opportunity. And uh, everywhere was closed, so we had to sort of went went back over into into Luxembourg, and um, uh, we went around had the day around where where we were staying, and then we went all the way back, so we went a different route. Um, So we stopped at Cine, uh, Rockford. Uh, We stayed over in Mons, Um, so we did a a bit of the the First War history there, you know, so where it all where it all kicked off in the, the Great War. Um, And we then, um, on the uh, remembrance, we were in Ypres, so um, visited the Menning Gate. Um, uh, And I I tried to to do videos uh, as and when. But we raised money for Leonard Cheshire, which, again, mentioned about my my RF, the love for the the Royal Air Force. Um, Leonard Cheshire was... Uh, group captain, he was the youngest group captain uh, in the in the Royal Air Force during the war, and he became the um, commander of six one seven, who were the Dambusters. <clears throat> so again, you've got that that link. He wasn't uh, so Guy Gibson led uh, the the squadron for the dam the dams raid, but Leonard Cheshire was involved with the the future exploits. Um, of of 617 so they, they formed a, a reputation um, for you know doing the impossible um with um, w- with um precision bombing effectively so low- level precision bombing and leonard Cheshire was um quite quite the man um for, for that and um, he was actually awarded the victoria cross um not for a single action is the only man the only person where it was awarded for his overall behavior which is quite something because it's normally a single act of gallantry Um, and uh, and he was a um, post-war he was a a, well and and drawing he was a, 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 a philanthropist so he set up a charity that then became the Leonard Cheshire Disability Foundation, uh, and that still continues today. And the idea was to enable, um, so it started life as helping veterans uh, who had been injured in in some way, um, and uh, not just physically, but you know mentally as well. And he, uh, with with his charitable works, supported those to find their independence. Or you know find some compromise with their independence, so that that may may have been just helping them get up in in the morning or um te- teaching them a skill, so they could go and remain independent in their life. And and the charity continues to do that to to this day. And uh, so we raised funds for for that. And uh, yeah, so it was about a thousand pounds I think that, that we raised in in a day, which was quite something really i was i think i put a target of about 200 (laughs) pounds so um there there we are
0: what is next for stanley biggs
1: so stanley biggs for well 2021 is is you know i'm I'm sort of looking in in, into the summer and and next next winter now um i mentioned before nick you know i'm not about sort of right this is the old collection we'll scrub that and start again um,
0: i I'd, I'd sort of imagine you'd be looking at 1929 for next year's collection <laughs> yes, so 31.
1: <laughs> yeah so there, there, there'll be a continuation of um you know we're, we're very happy to have um as I said you know a lot of time and care and attention was was spent in the early days to create the, these pieces that will remain and continue um and um you know and, and it's part of the ethos of of, of the brand is to um, it doesn't have to, you don't have to keep reinventing things um, for, for them to work. Um, and it is purely about slow fashion um, and how that particular jumper or that cap can, can be worn. Um, so we have, we have our styles and um, we're actually going to be introducing fewer um, uh, variants um, moving forwards. Um, and that's, you know, that's partly decision that's been born from from the pandemic. Um, but we will uh, in particular a, a new product which should have um, and was actually launched early early in this year uh, were trousers um so sort of 1930s pattern trousers um so we're still working on that um unfortunately pandemic hurdles um have just slowed things down um but we, you know we persevere and um and it, it will happen uh, so uh, and it's actually expanded it's actually you know it's enabled us to, to do a lot more and a better job actually uh, i mean they were fantastic anyway but um we've actually been able to select pure uh, you know purely british woven fabrics moving forwards um and um and they will be made in in england uh, so i'm very excited about about launching that um and um i have a few other products as as well that that are in development um, and I'm, you know, working with some fantastic people on, on that. So it's actually about expanding and, and really sort of giving people who are passionate about what they do the, the platform to, to, to do something and create something um, and, um, and, and not, not lose any of that quality or the earnestness behind it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so as I said, you know, it's, it's about keeping what what we do and expanding that. Um, so you know sort of reiterating that it's not just for for men um you know that the knitwear it can be worn by anyone um and um and enjoyed by anyone anywhere so whatever freedom we have next year um whether that, that that'll probably change shape as as the year progresses um we hope that the stanley biggs brand will be selected to be part of your your wardrobe and, uh, and and remain with it for many many years um and, uh, and i'd love to hear more from people uh, you know about what what they're up to and what they're doing so uh, but yeah so there's a there's a lot going on it's just a case of just be understated considered and uh and carefully carefully do it and, and do it right so if you do it right the first time um it'll it'll stand the test of time
0: how on earth is it possible to make what you make in the UK and sell it at such reasonable prices?
1: Now, this is something I've, I've really, um, again, decided very, very early on. Um, was I personally, and I, I can, I can completely understand the reasons why things do have or can have quite a hefty price tag, particularly if it's British fabrics, British made, and so on and so forth. Um, but, and I've, I've said this many, many times already, uh, um, uh, not wanting to repeat myself, but, you know, it's not about this, it's not about the sale a lot of the time. Um, you know, the, the idea, and, and again, putting money where my mouth is, I would rather someone say, well, actually, if, if I put, an extra 20 pounds to this purchase I could have this jumper for 20 years um and and I'm helping that industry you know you know you're investing in in something um and there's certain items there that fund the other if that makes sense so Mm. it's about looking at the overall than just the the price of the garment, and I think a lot of businesses miss that. Um, you know, whether they will put a price tag or cheap price on something, and I think that's the other thing as well is that a lot of people are very, very used now to, and you know, I'm guilty of this. Everyone is, where um, even if you look online, um, if you look at something, it's it's normally price price orientated, um, even you know how it's sorted or how it's filtered, not the alphabet <clears> now. It's it's done by what's the cheapest. Um so everyone sort of has this I think false idea that clothing is actually very cheap and should be very cheap um, and you uh, it's the old saying is it buy cheap buy twice um, and of course you know I don't know let's say if you spend 10 pounds on a t-shirt you probably will wear that out and need a new one in two years so then you spend another 10 pounds however if you spent 40 pounds on a organic cotton and all the super duper things yes okay no the initial purchase is going to be far higher but you'll probably end up having that that t-shirt and not necessarily need a a replacement for many many years to come um and um and i would like to make that as accept accessible to people as as i possibly can um and and uh, you know, and again, it's it's the price of things. <clears throat> so I don't put anything that I couldn't afford myself um, or wouldn't want to buy my, myself. Um, so um, and uh, you know, and I'm a I'm a hardened Midlander, so I don't uh, <laughs> hand out money uh, that that uh, that easily. But um, you know, it's, it's smaller profit margins, definitely, but. Um, but you'll notice as well, you know, I, I don't adopt this. Um, oh, we've launched this product, and then in two weeks' time, it's forty percent off. Yeah. Um, I would rather have it at a forty percent price all the time, and sell yeah. sell it consistently, um, rather than this chopping and changing. Because I think personally, it cheapens cheapens what you're buying anyway. Uh, and it's, you know, as a customer, it's happened to me where, you know, you buy something, and I'm sure it's happened to you as well, um, where you buy something, you think, oh, okay, and then it, it arrives. And you've, I don't know, let's say you've subscribed to to their mailing list. And then the next email you get, it's it's in their 50% off sale. You think, oh, right, okay, well, if I'd have waited two weeks.
0: That always strikes me as very dishonest. Because you realise that the actual price was the discounted price. That's what they would have sold it for. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's what what you And I, I think ultimately the, um, the 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 it's not just fashion. Um. I think it, it's in all forms of all walks of uh of of, of, of most industries where it's a direct to consumer purchase, where um, and also you know business to business, where you know they have a list price. Um, and I, I mean, I used to I used to be in sales, and you know, you'd say, well, how much is it? And I used to sell advertising and data, and I've sold all sorts of things. And you say, well, how much is it? They go, oh, it's fifty right, pounds. Right? Okay. But you can sell it for thirty. It's like, well, why not just sell lots for thirty pounds then? Oh yeah, but we could get more. Say, well, no, not really, because the customer will probably know that they could get it for thirty pounds. <laughs> so um and i would much rather just say uh it it's this much um and um if the price changes it will be consistent um so and, and you know and i'm not saying it, it the price will go down or it, well, it can go down or up so um for instance you know the price of wool um does vary uh, every year and I've mentioned earlier the the floods in Wales a lot of farms were affected badly very badly affected um and that will have an impact uh, this you know the pandemic will have an impact um but uh, you know but, but you are supporting you're investing in a, a, very, a, a very 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 uh, convoluted um system you know that goes all the way back to the sheep farmers particularly in the case mm-hmm. of our knitwear. That 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 wool is has to be farmed. It has to be transported. It then gets sent to, uh, well, it gets treated uh, in a by in a very very sustainable healthy way. No chemicals used whatsoever. It's then dyed. So you've got you know if you, uh, the, the dyers that's in Yorkshire. We have that done, and then that goes. Yeah, then the yarn gets moved down to the mill where the jumpers are then knitted. Um, so you've got all this industry. Um, and, um, so, you know, yes, our jumpers are hundred pounds and I can fully appreciate why some businesses charge 250 or 300 pounds because, uh, again, you know, it is supporting, um, the, the industry in itself. Um, but, um, I would much rather keep the prices realistic for as many people as possible um and it's the only way that you're going to change the way of doing things um you, know, you, you have to appeal to people's better sense uh of saying well actually if yes okay it's a little more expensive than what i would normally buy a jumper for or a coat um but it's not that much more um and and in 10 years time or five years time it would be, it would have become a habit um so uh, and as i said you know it's not just about the price of that that garment it's the overall you know the bigger picture um and um yeah and, and it, it's it's a lot to it's, you have to be quite brave to, to do that you think gosh you know i could be making a lot more money yes i could but um what what would i do with it i'd probably just buy more stock
0: more, more coats.
1: Uh, more, you know more yeah more, more, more up, so you know my my husband's very happy with the with it with a setup but um yeah so so really for, for me nick it's it's about making to as as fair as possible um and uh, and genuinely you know i mean i've i have a lot of uh, different different customers of of all different uh, sort of walks of life and backgrounds um and and i love chatting to them and, you know they they chat to me and they'll email and um and, and even on Twitter, you know, we we'll have private sort of private messages with, with with individuals who are who are very young. You know, they, they may not necessarily have left school yet, and they say, "Oh, yeah, you know, we really love love the idea of it, but but I haven't got the money at the moment." And it's like, well, that's not a problem. You know, it's it, it you'll get money at, at some stage. You know, and it, it's what you choose to do with it. That's the most important thing, and it's about um, winning them over. Um, to you know, to, to actually say, well, actually, yes, I now have some money. I, I want to spend it in the right way, um, and uh, and you know that feeds all the way back to you know the sustainability of it, and, um, and you know the 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 importance of getting rid of this fast fashion. You know, let, let's let's get a new style every every year and throw things out. Um, so um, and it, as I said, you know, it's all, it's all links to that but it's it's the business owners that and 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 the companies that have to push this forward um because the, by and large a lot of people and this is no disrespect to people but by you know it's it's not their it's not their interest it's not their profession they're not going to know the ins and outs of you know the the industry why should they you know you, you're you're the professional you're the one who's there representing and uh, and and championing that um, so uh, it's about them trusting you to to provide them with the right items um, and uh, and winning them over that way. Um, so uh, so yeah. So um, you know it's not it's not about making lots and lots of money. <laughs> if I did, I, I I wouldn't be selling jumpers. <laughs> so.
0: No, I imagine there's, uh, there's more there's other things that would generate a lot larger profit
1: there is you know and 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 I think it's I congratulate people that, that do that and um you know there's I think if, if I was to do that I would probably end up doing you know put, putting it back into something else anyway um and and that's what that's what we do you know so oh, my my job um funded um the the first business that we set up um and it enabled that and um old time designers has enabled Stanley Biggs. So, um, and there's always, you know, these stepping stones uh, and there, you know, it's tiny steps or, or small steps, but you're consistent and careful with it. And, um, and, you know, it's important to, to remain true to, to the message that, that you, that you set out um, on, on day one. Um, so for me, to, you know, it is in very important for, for people to, to believe in, in the, in the product and, uh, and not feel cheated in a, in any way. Um, so, um, and, 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 to remain transparent is, it will always be the case. Um, so, uh, and I, 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 would, I'd welcome anyone to say, message me in five years and say, Sophie, you said this, um, and uh, remind me <laughs> that, that I said that. Um, and I would, I'd probably say, yeah, and we're still true to that. So, um, uh, you know, no, I'm very earnest about that. Um, and I, I, why would you be any other way? I think, I think that's that's the the main thing is why would you want to do it any other way?
0: As long as you're totally transparent about your luxury holidays, I mean, nobody's going <laughs> to accuse you of riffing them off, are they?
1: Absolutely not. No, um, you know. So, uh, so the the luxury of, um, I think the next one we might do. Well, we did speak about um well I sorry, I spoke at Gary about um uh <laughs> crossing the Pyrenees.
0: Okay. Oh. You might find the customers are willing to chip in a little extra <laughs> to
1: <laughs> Yeah, so um yeah so we'd um I, I was looking at um some of the escape routes. Um so again with, with the uh, well World War Two link. Um but um obviously a lot of the the, the escapees were, were RAF and and other nations um so i was looking at that um so but you have to you have to do it at a particular time because of course it's it can be quite uh, treacherous so um but yeah that that was that was the plan it it will happen but um see so yeah, i just need to work around what what's going on and jumping out of an aircraft as well i wanted to do That's that something
0: you you want to do? Uh, well,
1: I, I, I've, I don't particularly want to do it, and I think I will need someone to push me out of the aircraft. But I would like to say I've done it, if that that's makes sense.
0: Exactly, that's exactly what I keep saying. I can't, I can't imagine jumping out, but I'd love to be able to say that I've, I've done, done it. Yes,
1: that's yeah. You know, just say yeah, I've, I've parachuted. But I, I'd like to do um, the uh, the round shoot. Which um, you're not allowed to do over here in, in the UK. So um, the plan would be to go over to Holland um, and uh, and jump. Um, but I would uh, I'm contemplating. I, I, obviously not the parachute would be a modern spec, but um, I would do that in period clothing because I have a yeah I have a, an original SOE suit. I'm very fortunate. Um, so the um, the, the special operations exec, executive right um, they okay. uh, occasionally not all the time but um, they would parachute their their agents in um into occupied territory and well,
0: did they sort of have to um, dig a hole and put the suits in yes
1: yeah so they they would bury their the equipment you know the parachute and and what have mm. you so these suits are incredibly rare um, as you might imagine because half of them are buried in europe uh rotting away um and uh i believe that the so the one i have i think is is most likely from uh the training establishment that was at um, manchester one of them was in manchester ringway um and i i think that's probably why it survived but um yeah so i would do it in this
0: Sounds bonkers, but I think you have to do it now.
1: Yeah, I, I, I definitely, def, I definitely do it. Definitely do it. But um, it, it's, it's the, the the thing is that the suits are quite rare, so the, there's obviously element of damaging it. So part of me, you know, I mean, the other thing, the his, the historian in me, sort of saying, oh gosh, prosperity.
0: And everyone, everyone else is saying, now that's a fine old excuse.
1: I know. Yes, <laughs> and you think, well, you know, okay, well, find me another then. <laughs>
0: You can just wear something out. <laughs> yes okay Sophie this good. has been great good. I think we have to end now yes no problem
1: yeah. I did tell you gift of a gal
0: <laughs> that's good very good okay thanks a lot no, it's a and, pleasure uh,
1: um, bye-bye for now
0: That concludes this week's episode of Gomology. Thanks to Sophie from Stanley Biggs for being such a great guest. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch, uh, the email address is gomology at welldressedad.com. You can also uh, subscribe to our Instagram feed, Garmology Podcast. If you like this, you might also like my blog at welldressedad.com. My Instagram, welldressedad again. And um, there'll be a new episode for you next week. Thanks a lot and bye-bye.